Welcome to Heart Yoga Radio, this fine Friday in July, it's July the 3rd, 2021. I'll just live it up the hill and it's quite hot and breathless, nevertheless I intend to do a podcast. I will mention the weather because I know you like your weather report, it's a blue day, there's a few white clouds, but uh, mostly big expanse of blueness. Sun's very bright, the sea is turquoise and it doesn't look too busy down there on the beach. Not so many people about, it's just all rather pleasant. Anyway, you're up to speed now on that matter. Today what I'm going to do is return to a project that I engaged with a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, when we were still in Wolverhampton. And what I decided to do was to read the verses out of my little book, which is entitled The Songs of No and Yes. And then to give a commentary and an interpretation or a reaction to the uh, particular songs. Now, I must mention these songs. Uh, They look like poems. Whether they are poems or not, I'm not sure. I do have some poems, and I'm, but I'm not sure that, that these are they. And this book was written for people who were, for one reason or another, doing sort of fairly intensive yoga with me, yoga practice, uh, many of whom have become teachers of yoga in their own right. And this was, in a sense, like the training manual. And they, they are a bit didactic, and sometimes they're a bit savage and, and rude. And I did actually start recording these, and recording my commentaries, walking along the canal from Parkdale Yoga Centre off, off into Wolverhampton Town Centre, where I would take my uh, leisurely coffee break. So I've decided to return to these. Uh, there is a slight problem, however, that I'm not sure which ones I, I published, because what I did was I recorded one a day and put them in the archive. And I think I got about halfway through the book. And some I published, and I can't remember which ones here off the top of my head. Uh, so my plan was that I will just dip in, I'll open and see what appeals at a particular time. And if things get treated twice, well, so be it. I don't think it's necessarily any kind of disaster. Right, uh, I'll press on. I'll just open and had a little flick through, and I, I like this one for now because it chimes in with something of what we've been saying as, as we've been working through the Lao Tzu over the last couple of years. And particularly the other day, I, I think, uh, what I was saying about uh, Lao Tzu's meditational approach, his approach of a quiet being with whatever is, openness to what is, whatever is, radical openness to what is, whatever is. And letting be with bright awareness, which I kind of take as the meditative methods of Lao Tzu. And, and this is one in that vein. And it's, it's about a particular phenomenon in life, and that is the meeting between people. It's called eyes. What's more amazing than eyes? 
While the mouth is bewailing the price of sugar, the eyes shine with life, show the vastness and the weight that even the littlest life is. It's like looking at galaxies through the most powerful telescope, but warmer. There's probably nothing so beautiful, but you have to be very still to see it. Next time you get a chance, look at someone's eyes, a friend's, a stranger's, it doesn't matter. Don't stare so that she doesn't notice what you are doing. Smile benignly. Be the classic good listener to her tales of joy and woe. Sit back, relax, be still inside, then you'll glimpse it. Well, I'm going to press on, I'm sitting on the rock there. I'm going to press on. So what's going on in this verse? And that is a, a specific example, a specific focus for the, the, the Lao Tzu style of meditation that I've been recommending, uh, particularly the other day in uh, the last Lao Tzu podcast. And this is, the, the method is, is letting be with uh, bright awareness. That is the method, letting be with bright awareness. You let the phenomena unfold. The phenomena can be anything that life throws up. And in classic internal meditations, of course, that's what goes on behind the eyes, as it were. We sit, eyes closed or, or almost closed, and just allowing the pulsation of consciousness to, to unfold and being with it as best we can. Notice that these are non-doing approaches. That's letting be with bright awareness. The bright awareness being, of course, what makes the difference between falling asleep and becoming rather uh, dull in one's consciousness or being lucky enough to apprehend the beauty that I speak of here in a more external style. It might be that you do, you sit on the side of a mountain, in the rain or the mist or in the sun, or by the, side, by the, sh- or by the seashore, you watch the waves, you watch the mist twisting around the hill. And beauty is important in this respect, because beauty captivates us, it makes uh, concentration, which is being with, effortless, and for this method we want uh, this, this effortless uh, being with, to the extent that we can. In this case, I'm recommending that we just look upon the human face, particularly at the eyes. Our whole sphere of interest now is human interaction, the other, self and other, the, the signs of life, that we are hardwired to respond to. And this is a marvellous uh, approach, I have to say, and the beauties that it reveals are uh, staggering and uh, 
cosmic and transcendental and all of those words denoting something very, very superior. I wrote this verse partly recollecting as I was writing the experience of running a retreat which we did some, a few decades ago now but we called it the human face retreat and the and to inspire us and to give us a bit of a di- direction we used the uh, verse from Rumi which goes like this if you seek illumination enlightenment look upon the human face see clearly within laughter the essence of ultimate truth and of course what Rumi's doing here is placing our chance at illumination at some kind of beatitude in human interaction and I think this is uh, quite important I was also aware at the time that that the yoga world uh, very often in some of its incarnations encouraged an individualism and it looked upon the individual or understood the individual as not being embedded in a society and in a web of relations and in a web of human relations maybe family, maybe lovers, maybe commune maybe friendship network and so on and those those networks are also engaged in a wider society with its legal aspects, political aspects, cultural aspects its customs, its mores, its shared beliefs uh, or its lack of shared beliefs uh, maybe and that in turn embedded in the larger ecosphere in the cycles of water and gases and uh, nutrients and the whole ecological dance of, of plants and animals and creatures and ourselves as a part and a participant species within that drama. So I was aware of that too and I wanted the practices that I was sharing with people to have that communal aspect and that, that recognition of okay the human individual fair enough a, a unit of analysis to be sure and perhaps the primary ground of our, our endeavour as a contemplative people but at the same time that individual embedded, embedded, embedded in system upon system ecological, cultural, social, political, economic and so forth and I wanted to, to bring that home and of course it starts with that that, that interaction just one on one and that's what I was, uh, and that's why I was, uh, this poem found its way into my uh, quotes. Instruction manual. And I think the poem gives you some sort of fairly concrete instructions. Yeah, smile benignly, <laughs> be the classic good listener. So you're not really playing a trick on some, somebody here. You are actually taking in everything. You're taking it in. And the point is to take in all the detail. 
it's not to it's not to use the other for your own purpose, not to use the other as a vehicle for your own enlightenment. It can sound like that, but that's certainly not intended. You do have to play the human part fully, because that is a part of your uh, sphere of investigation. That is a part of the phenomenon that you you're opening yourself to radically, radical openness to what is, whatever is, right? That's the definition. That's the yoga being state. That's what it's like like to have yoga under your belt, as it were. But that, yes, letting be, letting be. And it is whatever is presenting itself there. It might not be all beautiful. The person's eyes might be quite bloodshot. <laughs> they might display demoralisation or, or some, some un- unpleasant emotion. But nevertheless, you're just hanging in there. Hanging in there. And in pretty well all circumstances, there is a kind of beauty and sublimity, I would say. Didn't mention that in the poem. But I would say that, you know, that that is what occurs. Comes home to you. And in that moment, you come home. Okay, I'm going to read it again, I think, as by way of concluding. This is a very short podcast. Eyes. What's more amazing than eyes? Well, the mouth is bewailing the price of sugar. The eyes shine with life. Show the vastness and the weight that even the littlest life is. It's like looking at galaxies through the most powerful telescope, but warmer. There's probably nothing so beautiful but you have to be very still to see it. Next time you get a chance, look at someone's eyes, a friend's, a stranger's, it doesn't matter. Don't stare, so that she doesn't notice what you're doing. Smile benignly, be the classic good listener to her tales of joy and woe. Sit back, relax, be still inside. Then you'll glimpse it. Well, I hope that's useful to somebody. Take care of yourselves, wash your hands, make knowledge great again.